everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one half of the hosting duo. My name is Jeff. Joining me as uh, as well, I want I don't I would normally say as always, but you're still on the dial-up rotary phone because you have no computer at this point. It is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, can you hear me? I, I can hear you actually loud and clear. I can't select any menu options because of the rotary phone thing. Uh, mm. So hopefully you don't send me anything like that. I believe it still carries my voice. So I, I think we might be okay. I just texted you all of the show notes and I'm afraid you're not going to get them. <laughs> well, we, we got to get right into the show though this week, because last week, you know, you, you and your technical difficulties and, and I had a really busy week. I feel like we, yeah. we didn't really get to put the usual effort that we do in the show. And I have so much to talk about even before we get into the, uh, you know, into the main topic of the show today. So let's jump right into BP and get started here. The, uh, the NPB has already started. They, uh, they started on time because they don't get locked out. Shocking how that works. And so they started last week, and we've talked a lot about Shioshi Shinjo. Well, I guess we're just going to refer to him now as Big Boss. We're no longer going to call him anything but Big Boss from here on out. We- the manager of the ham fighters. And Go ahead, send your comments. <laughs> we know and we love it. Uh, well, so I told you that he registered his name in, in the Japanese league to Big Boss. Well, uh, the league checked to see if there were anything within the rules that would prevent him from being known as just Big Boss. And uh, he was given the green light. Good news. That's awesome. I'm, I'm wondering that if this means on the back of his jersey, it just says Big Boss, I might have to buy Ham Fighters jersey. Yeah, uh, I've always wanted one. And that might be the one that pushes me over the, to the purchasing uh, area. Yeah, so it's weird because I have I have said repeatedly that the the Ham Fighters jersey is always one of the worst uniforms in mm-hmm. all of sports for me, and so here I am thinking about buying one, and it's not even a player; it's a manager. Really weird. <laughs> they did redo them this year, though. They kind of look like uh, alternate Blue Jays uniforms. Okay, that sounds interesting. They're not. It's not as heavy on the brown as as they have been, but yeah. Uh, I'm assuming from this conversation, you did not see his intro on opening day. I did not. Oh, boy. It was beautiful. There were fog machines. There was a light show. Because, you know, it's opening day. It's a big deal. You you do a big production as you introduce everybody. He comes out sure. of the dark with the fog machine and, and so forth with this custom jersey that says Big Boss in LED lights across his chest. They're flashing. <laughs> He's wearing sunglasses and sweatbands, which I, I never get sweatbands on a non-player, but he's got them. And he looked every bit the rock star, and I loved it. I'm just a little concerned because, you know, he's the manager. <laughs> like, if, if, the, right. if the ham fighters suck, you can't fire the players. So right. he's got this huge persona that is it's really a thankless job being a manager. You're going to be the first one sure. that's going to be canned if... Anything goes wrong. Interesting stuff. It was fun to see that, at least. Well, the big boss making his uh, debut. Yep. Uh, I'll have to look that up. Big boss. All right. Ghost Runner, our favorite thing. He's coming back this year in extra innings. Huh. Now, I kind of get it because, you know, w- with the with the lockout, 
first two weeks being pushed back, and now we're going to get the whole 162-game season, there are scheduled doubleheaders to get everybody to make up those those games, which is great. It, I, I like doubleheaders. They're fun to watch, maybe not as fun to work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you've got those scheduled doubleheaders, you, I think they're trying to give a give a little break to the pitching staff and I, I hope it's not going to continue next year, but I can see why they're doing it with all of the double headers. I see. I get that connection. So I was trying to think what could we substitute instead of putting the, the Manfred man on, on second base to start. What if we, what if we did something? What if we started everybody with a one in one count? Instead? It's very softball. Yeah. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get people to swing the bat though. A one one count, maybe four outs per inning in extra innings. I don't know. Yeah, let's go straight for the basics of the game and change those. How well they're putting a runner on that didn't earn him earn his place oh, and, on base in scoring position. Happy. I'm not too happy about that either. What about okay, I thought of some more. What about no pitching changes in extra innings? You start an inning, you finish an inning. <laughs> you blow your arm out, tough luck. If you're going to say I'm injured, I can no longer pitch, you're you're automatically on the DL. IL, hmm. whatever it's called. What about we just call a tie after 12 innings? Uh, you know what? I've heard that suggested and I don't think I can handle it. What the MPB, I think it's after 12, it's a tie. I just don't think Americans can handle ties. Remember we used to have ties in exactly. hockey. Exactly. And oh, yeah. can't do that. Yeah. No, nobody likes ties. Uh, Except the Europeans, I think. Oh, you mean the rest of the world? The rest of the world is fine with ties. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of rule changes, the Savannah Bananas. Now, I'm not sure what to make of this team. We've we've talked about it before. It's it's weird. It's goofy. It's fun. uh, But it's not baseball. And I appreciate what it is for what it is. But if I want to watch a baseball game, I'm going to watch something else. But if I am, let's say, chemically altered... There is, I mean, this is fun to watch. It's awesome. So this is one of the rules that I was not aware of. It's been, it's been all over social media here for the last couple of days. There is a no walks rule. So what happens on ball four, a walk becomes a sprint and the batter just takes off. He can keep running as far as he wants. Every defensive player has to touch the ball before it becomes live. So, wow. (laughs) So what happens here is most of the time a walk turns into a double. They generally end up on second base for the very first time last week. They turned and out by getting the batter out at second base. And it was impressive. It kind of reminded me of the Harlem Globetrotters. They were running a weave, essentially, to get everybody to touch the ball. They had clearly practiced this because they knew exactly who to throw to next. Ball four, batter sprints out of the uh, out of the batter's box. The catcher throws down to second. All of the infielders come in and throw it to each other. By that time, the the three outfielders are in. They finally all three touch it, and the I believe it was the right fielder might have been the last guy to touch it. Slap the tag on the on the batter as he tried to slide into second base. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It again, kind of. It's fun. It's not baseball, though. But if it's going to no, get people agreed. interested in baseball, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I might not watch it too much, but I have kind of a, an idea for the uh, extra runner and extra innings. The Manfred Man, as we called it, mm-hmm. 
what if we didn't do that for the 10th and 11th, but you can institute it in the 12th, something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad idea either. I mean, when, when you're just playing regular baseball rules in a season, there might only be a handful of games that are go like 13, 14 or longer. There's not that many. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I understand it does take a toll on your bullpen. And yes. I understand it. This this year with all the scheduled doubleheaders, maybe. But, oh, I don't want to see this all the time. Boy, we're just about a week and a half away from opening day now. Yes. Have, have you been watching spring training games? Uh, I have one on in the background right now, yes. You are not giving us your full undivided attention then. I'm not even paying attention. I know who's playing, but I don't know what the score is. <laughs> All right. So you well, have my undivided attention. The first week of, of spring training, MLB TV was free. Every every game was the game of the day, and you could watch it without a subscription. But now they are no longer because MLB does not want people to see their product or like it or be exposed Apparently, to it Apparently, yeah. Uh, regardless, MLB.TV is actually really awesome. I mean, you and I have had this service for almost decades. I remember mm-hmm. in, the, in the 2000s, it was just the radio broadcasts, but I subscribed. Mm-hmm. But the TV yep. portion has been around for over a decade at least. So normally, $160 a year is is worth it. I absolutely would say, yes, get it. But also, you know, that money is goes to the owners, which is not what we want. (laughs) But if I can get a discount on something, I'm, I'm here for it. I am not sure how long this is going to last, but this is how you can save up to $53. So it's almost kind of like $110 on an MLB.tv subscription. Now I know you don't need it because you've got T-Mobile. So T-Mobile gives you it for free. This is the first year I've had to purchase it in a while because as a, a season ticket holder, I got that for free, but since I am boycotting the A's right now, I no longer get this for free, so I had to actually purchase it this year. This is what you do, and and the links will be in the show notes here. You can go to the Major League Baseball Players Association website, and you can donate $25 to them and become a member of the MLBPA fan whatever i mean you're not you're obviously not a member of the mlbpa but you can donate 25 dollars to them you will then get an email with a link for 50 percent off of mlb.tv oh wow you know it ends up saving you about 53 dollars that is the way i did it i gave them my 25 dollars immediately i got me right here i got an email from brooks robinson that's what it said. No kidding. Yes. Well, that was nice of him. Yeah, I was I I legitimately think Brooks typed out this email and and hit enter to me. So He was excited that you were <laughs> were coming along for the ride. Yeah, who knows who you'll get it from. But I yeah. mine came from Brooks Robinson. I clicked on it, went through it. I now have mlb.tv again this year and I got it for a good chunk of change off. Look in the show notes. It's a good way to stick it to the owners, too. They don't get all their money, and the and the MLBPA gets some of it. So good good way to go. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, folks, if, you, if you've if never used this service, I sit in my little if – if I'm home, I'll sit in my chair, and I'll have my phone on with one game, and I'll have the TV on with another game, and then my computer on with a third game. It's amazing. Yeah, and on your computer, you can do, you can do a four-game – it really is a great service. I hate to ever – tell the MLB they're doing something right, but (laughs) that they do. 
Uh, Mark, this show debuts March 29th. I have got a huge debut that happened back in 2018 on this day. So this player still active today, 2018, this guy named Shohei Otani made his major league debut against the Oakland athletics. I've heard of that guy. I think this is ultimately going to be a huge day in baseball history when Shohei Otani made his debut. He went one for five against the A's with a strikeout. His first at-bat was against my all-time favorite pitcher, Kendall Graveman. Just a wonderful member of the athletics when he was here. I'm sure you... I know you have like a shrine to him and everything. (laughs) Just love him. Uh, Ended up (laughs) grounding out to second in his very first at-bat. A couple days later, he made his first pitching debut against the A's and looked pretty good. The Otane rule is something that is in place this season. Yes. I I like this. A pitcher that is also the DH can still remain as the DH even after being removed from the game as the pitcher. Now, I'm guessing that this is tied to the fact that there is now a universal DH that they put this in there. I'm all for it. Keep him in there. Me too. People are are obviously going, I mean, Otane draws a crowd so people are going to watch him and if you, he gets blown out for some reason in the second inning then you're kind of disappointed so yeah he gets the dh after that yeah. so yeah no i i think that's a good rule so shohei the first two-way player in major league history with 10 plus home runs 20 plus stolen bases as a hitter and 100 plus strikeouts and 10 plus pitching appearances as a pitcher in the same season Impressive. That's amazing. Just uh, incredible. Also, the first pitcher in Major League history to be an all-star as both a pitcher and a hitter in the same game, where he started in 2021 last year as the pitcher and as uh, the DH. He's pretty good, I guess. I don't know. I don't watch him much. I've I've heard just rumors. (laughs) Uh, Otane (laughs) originally announced that he was going to go to the MLB straight out of high school. The Ham Fighters, our favorites, drafted him anyways and got him to sign with them. I was reading the story about him. The whole time that he was playing in in Japan, he lived in the dormitories that the team provides. He just lived in the dorms. Huge star there, just as he is here. But he just lived in the dorms. That's awesome. Man of the people. Yes, there you go. All right, let's get to trivia here. Last week, I asked a question, and uh, the question was this. Who has the highest batting average in the first inning in Major League Baseball? Now, I, I did get some people asking for clarification, and I did want at least a 1,000 at-bats. I'm sure that, you know, there are people that only had a couple of at-bats and maybe got one or two hits. But uh, the, the answer I am looking for is over a 1,000 at-bats in the first inning. Mark, do you have any clue as to who we're looking for? Not, uh, I mean, I'm not even close is what my guess is. Yeah. Well, I told everybody last week, it is not Ricky Henderson. Uh, I usually will, will throw Ricky in there if I can. So Ricky is 194th on this list. (laughs) His batting average is only 276 which is very close to his lifetime career average of 279. The answer I was looking for is Rogers Hornsby. No kidding. Hall of Famer Rogers Hornsby. Over 1,000 at-bats in the first inning. He hit 374. 
That's 374. good. 374. Second place is Ted Williams, 40 points behind him at 335. That wow. is a huge number. That's impressive. Yeah. 46 home runs included in there. Ted Williams had 74, so a bit more pop. Ted Williams also walked a lot more. He had 405 oh, yeah. walks, Hornsby 133, and they both struck out about the same amount, 101 to 153 for Williams. But the on-base percentage, Hornsby 441, Williams 487. Yeah, Ted Williams was a machine. I mean, half of his his philosophy on hitting was picking the right pitch. And so he walked a ton. He had an amazing eye. Yeah. So I'm looking at the top 10 here and they're all hall of famers, obviously, until you get to number 10. Now, first of all, at eight and nine, you've got Larry Walker and Derek Jeter, who are the only, uh, the only modern players listed from one through nine at number 10 sandwiched between Derek Jeter and Barry Bonds. Al Martin. <laughs> Al Martin. Al Martin. <laughs> I did not expect that one. No, 11 years in the big leagues, uh, including two his two of his final three were with the Mariners, of course. But oh, I uh, remember. Lifetime 276 average, but uh, he was good in the first inning. That's a shocker there. <laughs> yeah, you got me on that one. All right, so we did get some correct answers this week. I knew I, we, I knew we'd get more because this one was a little bit easier. Uh, we've got some of the usuals: Andrew Harmer, Marco Sainz, Mike Hamilton, Trey Watson. Some new names in there, which is nice to nice to hear some new people joining in. Uh, last week, I also forgot to mention Brian Krause, one of our longtime listeners, actually did give me the correct answer to the question about the Hall of Famers managing against each other. I have no idea how I missed that. I don't know how I did not see that I, I had one. But apologies to uh, to Brian last week for that. I got a new question that everybody can tell us uh, what, they're, uh, what they think the answer is here. And uh, we've been talking about pitchers and hitting in the Otani rule and the universal DH here. So my question is, who was the last pitcher to have a five-hit game? Oh, wow. With the bat. Not giving up just five hits, but who was the last pitcher that collected five hits in a game as the batter? That's tough. Yeah, put some put some thought into that. And uh, if you want to, let us know what you think the answer is. We'll give you all the details on how to do that at the end of the show. All right, Mark, it's been uh, kind of a long BP here, but we had a lot to get through. Let's let the ground screw come out, do their stuff. Uh, this is like a doubleheader today, so they're going to really get their get their work in, in between games. Today, Mark, I wanted to talk about John Lowenstein. Lowenstein, the, the beer. Well, you, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Okay. John Lowenstein was drafted by the Guardians in 1968, and he started in Class A Reno, but his baseball career was delayed a bit as his Marine Reserve unit was called into action in Vietnam. He missed the first three and a half months of the 1969 season as well. Once back stateside, he made his way through the minor leagues pretty quickly, playing wherever he was needed, which would be a thing throughout his career. He played every position in the big leagues except for pitcher or catcher. And he was pretty good defensively, too. No matter where you stuck him, he did a good job, especially in the outfield. He was a lot, a lot better even than the infield. John, also known as Steiner and Brother Lowe, was very popular with both teammates and fans because of his sense of humor. 
So popular was he that there were calls for a John Lowenstein fan club. Now, Lowenstein thought that fan clubs were a waste of time, and he said so. He said, quote, cheering is bad for a player because it gives him a false sense of importance. Booing, though, indicates a fan really cares enough about him to get mad, which is negative, too. But a fan who really doesn't care one way or the other won't boo or cheer. That is an ideal kind of club member. So he didn't want people that would boo him or cheer him. He just wanted people that would watch him. Thus, the Lowenstein Apathy Club was born. Hundreds of letters flooded the Cleveland front office looking for entrance into the Lowenstein Apathy Club. While his teammates were busy getting t-shirts with their faces on the front made up, Lowenstein's featured the back of his head and one word, apathy. He did spawn another t-shirt that teammates began wearing that read, tonight, let it be Lowenstein. So there you go. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) By the way, to uh, get into the Lowenstein Apathy Club, uh, it was best to just to send in in an envelope and a blank piece of paper is what got you into the Apathy Club. You couldn't even be bothered to write your name down. You're in. (laughs) So this Apathy Club is going strong. And at one point, they want to come in and hang a banner supporting him at Cleveland. So he does not want that. So he compromises with a group of fans who wanted to put this bed sheet up where they were going to put, I think they were going to put tonight, let it be Lowenstein. You know, funny, good, good message. They wanted to hang that at the ballpark during the game. Well, Steiner suggested that instead it would just be a huge white sign hung in the center field bleachers where fans were not allowed to sit and there would be no writing on the banner at all. And it would only be displayed when Cleveland was on the road. (laughs) I love this guy. This guy is awesome. awesome. Uh, I got a bunch of other great Steiner quotes here. uh, That is, I think he's going to be on the fast track to be ordained a saint of two strike noise. Just I'm putting it out there. But before we get to those, I want to go over some more of his career highlights on the diamond. Lowenstein eventually ended up in Baltimore in 1979. The Orioles under Earl Weaver were hitting their stride, and Lowenstein certainly did his part. The 1979 ALCS Game 1, Lowenstein pinch hit for Mark Bellinger, a.k.a. Cody's dad. Score was tied 3-3 in the bottom of the 10th. There were two runners on. I could not tell if one of them was a Manfred man or not. I'm thinking it probably wasn't, though. I think they probably earned their way on base in 1979. In fact, you know what? I'm going to say they earned their way on. He hit a walk-off home run. Three-run homer. Weaver was so excited that he ran out to second base and ran with Lowenstein to home plate, causing Lowenstein to say this, quote, I never saw such a little man in the baseline, end quote. (laughs) Uh, Now, maybe the thing most fans have seen from John, whether they know it or not, that it was him, June 19th, 1980, Oakland is visiting Baltimore. Bottom of the seventh inning, Steiner comes up to pinch hit for second baseman Lenny Sakata, and he singles to right field. Uh, He tries to stretch this into a double, and as he does, the throw comes in, and at second base, it hits Lowenstein in the back of the head. John lays there in the dirt motionless at second base as the training staff is working on him. They bring out the old school stretcher and they're carrying him 
across the diamond, and just as he's about to get to the dugout, right before they go down the steps, Lowenstein sits straight up, like, you know, Undertaker style, when he, he'll be sitting there and then just, <laughs> boop, he's sitting up and pumps both fists in the air and the fans go nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great, I, I posted it on, on social media a, a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's great. Look, it, maybe maybe I'll just throw in the show notes as well. Uh, 1983 is a big year for the O's, of course, winning the World Series and all. John hit 385 in the four-game sweep over the Phillies. 82 and 83, Lowenstein only had 632 total at-bats during those two seasons combined because of injury. That's typically a full season for a healthy MLB starter. But I wanted to look at his numbers for those two years combined because they were very impressive. In those two years combined, which again, kind of equals one full year if he had been healthy, he hit 301, 39 home runs, 126 RBI, a 395 on base, and a 157 OPS plus. Not bad. Not bad no. at all. Yeah. Uh, despite those numbers, Lowenstein was out of baseball only two years later. He finished with a 16-year career, a 253 average, 116 home runs, 441 RBI, 128 stolen bases. I like that. And a war of 9.9. I like to look on baseball reference. They have the similar batter scores, which really helps me a lot when it comes to players that I never got to see like uh, Lowenstein. Similar players that we know a bit better that he compares to are Austin Kearns, Mike Devereaux, and hard-hitting Mark Witten. So that kind of gives you a comparison how he was with the bat. Nice. Lowenstein holds the major league record along with Rex Hudler and Daryl Thomas for most positions homering from over the course of a career. I told you he had 116 career home runs. He hit 72 while playing left, 17 from right, 10 is the DH, four pinch hit home runs, four from second base, four from center field, two from first, two from third, and one as the shortstop. So as I said, he's a Swiss Army knife. He could play anywhere, which obviously is a big help, and he could also swing the bat. Okay, let's get back to some of Steiner's greatest hits. One time, as he was exiting the stadium to get on the team bus, somebody asked him if they could have his autograph. His reply, quote, I left it in the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Secret to winning, quote, the secret to keeping winning streaks going is to maximize the victories while at the same time minimizing the defeats, end quote. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Now he did go on. uh, He did go on to do color for the uh, for the Orioles on TV for a while back in the late 80s and early 90s. Some of these gems, no doubt, made their way onto those broadcasts. Also, here's some more. On birthplaces, he says, quote, you never know where you're born. You have to take your parents' word for it, end quote. Very true. This one rings very true right now about uh, stats and baseball. Quote, nuclear war would render all baseball stats meaningless, end quote. Make stats, not war. On failing to get a bunt down in a game, he said, quote, sure, I screwed up the sacrifice bunt, but look at it this way. I am a better bunter than a billion Chinese. They can't bunt at all, end quote. And finally, why bench players should be paid more than starters. This one's kind of a long one, but he says, quote, I firmly believe a player who is not playing regularly should be paid more for the inconvenience. 
Not everybody can play at the same time. This is a far greater emotional strain than hearing the cheers and boos every day. There is a tendency to become more of an irritable person. You begin to lose friends, I've observed. The irregulars tend to drink more alcoholic beverages, figuring that they're not going to play anyway. This can create tension in the bar, having more, <laughs> having one more blast for the bench, like having one more for the road. Alcoholism is a threat, and your body, not knowing what to expect, can suffer a heart seizure when suddenly you're called upon to play, end quote. Yikes. Now, he is not a train. He's not a doctor. I'm just going to put it out there. But that is still, I mean, some good sound logic from John Lowenstein. Sure. There you go. 16 year veteran John Lowenstein won a World Series with the 1983 Orioles. If we were to pull him in Wax Packs Heroes, he's got those science teacher glasses and he's got a mustache. So, right. you know, it's a perfect fit for us. Yeah. He's really on that fast track, as I said, to becoming a, a two strike noise saint with these uh, nice. these kind of quotes. And he was once traded with Rick Cerrone, who, of oh, course, even better, <laughs> who, of course, we know is a fantastic singer. So we got that going for right. him, too. All right. So that's it for Mr. Lowenstein. I've had him on my list for a while. Good to finally get to talk about him. And uh, I... Good, good job, John. All right, Mark, let's uh, head into the final segment of the show. It is the, uh, it's the one that everybody's uh, always out there waiting for, so let's get right into it. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Hero. Before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers. All right. Well, uh, having just talked about John Lowenstein, I am going to go with the team he is most famous for, which would be the Baltimore Orioles. All right. So you got the Dodgers. I got the Orioles. Mark, let's look at the scoreboard. This is a little bit embarrassing for me. You are at 19 wins now. I am at nine. 
you only need 20 to claim the uh, the championship, of which you have already done the last two seasons in a row. You are one win away. They're already in your clubhouse putting up the plastic. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I saw Tim McCarver down there, and, and uh, Deion Sanders was lurking in the background uh, with a yeah, bucket of water. I mean, they're they're setting it up. You only need one more to to be the the back to back to back champion here. So good luck to you. Uh, we're gonna do again. I last week I got this box of of two thousand tops. There are only eight cards in each of these packs, but I am going to go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna do another couple of packs. The two thousand tops here because it was a lot of fun. We got some names we hadn't heard before. So I've got one in my left hand, Mark. One in my right hand. Which one would you like? I, I've been winning with the right hand. All right. Well, I've uh, lost enough that I'm just going to keep the same formula going. I'm going to have you go first. Okay. <laughs> and uh, let's see if you can put me away. Just put me out of my misery, please, is what I'm looking for. I, I want. We'll do our best. You know. I want to start over and get some new uh, some new rules. Well, this one is. You're off to a oh, wow, a very good start. This has got three players on it. It's a prospects card. So this is, wow, this is going to take a minute just to get all these numbers. Listed on this with the D-backs, Eurubio Durazo. I liked Eurubio. Next with the Phillies, you've got Pat the Bat Burl. And with the Yankees, you've got Nick Johnson. Wow. Three players. Yeah, this is, uh, this one might hurt a little bit. (laughs) So let's see, 2000, Durazo, his second year in the big leagues, uh, got into 67 games, hit 265, eight home runs, a 103 OPS plus. And uh, let's see, that is going to equal a war of 0.3. Nothing on any, I mean, these are just headshots for all three of them. So that's not going to help you out. Next, let's go to Pat Burrell. 12 years in the big leagues, 2000 was his very first year. He got in 111 games his first year in the big leagues, came in fourth in the rookie of the year balloting, 18 home runs, 79 RBI, 260 average, 359 on base, a 106 OPS plus, seven career stolen bases, same as Durazo, a war of 0.5. So you're you're slowly creeping up there. And then mm-hmm. finally, we're going to go with Nick Johnson. Nick Johnson, the nephew of Larry Boa. How about that? I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that either. Uh, did not appear in the big leagues in the year 2000. So I'm, I'm okay with that. So you're essentially <laughs> going to get a 0.8 war, which I thought it was going to possibly be a lot worse than that. All that work for a 0.8. Yeah. But that's a good-looking card, though. Uh, Rubio, Durazo, Pat Burrell, and, and Nick Johnson. That's nice. Uh, it's not as nice as the next one. It's an insert card. Okay. And it's uh, Mr. Henry Aaron. This is a great-looking yeah. card. I am not going to lie. He's a, He was a pretty good ball player. Yeah. Not cut very well. If I were to get this graded, it is, it is off-center a bit. Uh, now, what I don't see here, it, it's not referencing a specific year though it's not like they've put a card in there like they're showing off the 1970 tops version of right so i don't know quite what to do here i think it's just a blank card to be honest or we can give you his worst year (laughs) because i don't want to give you his his best (laughs) or his career stats you know how about his rookie year okay fair enough 
All right, so we're going to give you his rookie year, which was 1954. He came in fourth in the rookie of the year, balloting 13 home runs, 69 RBI, 280 average, and a 104 OPS plus, which works out to be a 1.4. He is, of course, a Hall of Famer. We can't forget that. So you're going to get a 2.4 out of it. That's nice. That'll yeah. work. That, that'll work. That's what we'll do from now on. If we don't know what year it is, we'll just give it your rookie year. Rookie season. There you go. All right. Next, uh, we are going to go to a guy. I believe he was a punter in in uh, college for the University of Nebraska. Here he is with the Angels, Darren Erstead. Oh, man. Yes, Erstead. Was he, was he a first baseman? Uh, he was an outfielder, I think. I knew that. You were just testing me, I, I see. I must be. Uh, let's see. Yes, he did go to the University of Nebraska. He was the punter there. I remember that. The year 2000, you're going to like this. He came in eighth in the MVP voting. He won a gold glove and he was an all-star. He led the league in at-bats and hits. He had 240 hits in the year 2000. Goodness gracious. Jeez. Did not walk much at all. (laughs) 64 walks in 747 plate appearances. He hit 355, an on base of 409, and a 137 OPS plus. He had 25 home runs, 100 RBI, and 28 stolen bases. This is going to be a big one. That is a season. 8.3 war. You're going to get an extra point. Overall, for the Gold Glove and the All-Star, which will be 9.3. Nothing on this card, though, is going to help you out as if the 9.3 was not enough. I will happily accept the 9.3. Yeah. Wow. All right. As of, wow, this, uh, this page hasn't been updated for a while, but I think this probably still stands true. As of July 2009, he ranked second all time in home runs hit by a player born in North Dakota. Second to Travis Hafner. Good old pronk. <laughs> That's a deep dive there with the North Dakota. All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tops is just stuffing the, the Henry Aaron's in here because <laughs> you get another Henry Aaron card, a magic moment card, which again does not does not give you anything. I am not going to give you any points for this one. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I guess I could. We can just pretend, you know, it's just like we if we got somebody's card twice. Sure. Uh, what did we say? In 1954, he had a 1.4 plus the Hall of Fame. So you'll get another 2.4. I'm, I'm good with that. All right. You're up to 14.9 already. You've got three cards left. Next is uh, second baseman here with the Montreal Expos, Jose Vidro. Sure, Jose Vidro. Not sure what I can say about him. He, he was a solid ball player, though. Good, uh, good infielder. Mainly played mm-hmm. second base. Twelve years in the big leagues. Final two seasons of his career with the Seattle Mariners. Of course, <laughs> jeez, it is. It is like you have to. You have to do that. You've got to yeah. play in Seattle for at least once at the very end of your career. Two thousand. You're gonna like it. All star. He was an all-star three times. This was his first year. Hit 330 for the season, 24 home runs. But wow. definitely not on the juice. 97 RBI. Uh, let's see, uh, 126 OPS plus, And that equals a war of 3.8 plus. He was an all-star. We'll make it 4.3. Wow. Yeah. 
I, I mean, remember though, last week we got some high scores from these cards. So yeah. this is for, for our, our late eighties, early nineties. This is a very high score. I think it's about average for these, these 2000 cards. Um, yeah. So how did he get on the Mariners? You ask. How did he get on the Mariners? I asked. <laughs> well, he was traded for former guest Chris Snelling. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. That is literally the only thing that there is really to, to that jumps out at me about his career. But <laughs> all right, you've got two cards left. Your second to last card is a guy that has got a grade eighty mustache for sure. Doesn't help a help you, you know. With the current rules, no. but here with the Astros, it's Derek Bell. Oh, uh, yes, Derek Bell. I remember when he was with the Astros. I remember him most for the the Blue Jays, where he came up Me with. Me too. But, yep. uh, yeah, I do remember him with, uh, with the Astros. Then he went to the Mets, and his final year in 2001 was with the Bucks. Never played for the, the Mariners somehow. Uh, hmm. 2000 was his lone year with the Mets. He hit 266. He was a teammate of Ricky's, so that's got that going for him. 18 home runs, 69 RBI. That's not too bad. A 98 OPS plus, and that is a 1.7 war. Okay. Nothing on this card is really going to help you out. Well, help you out at all. Oh, well, well Bell was part of that Killer Bees group with the that's Astros, right. along with Jeff yep. Bagwell and Craig Biggio. And Lance Berkman. Lance Berkman, yeah. Boy, I, I would say there's a one of those things not quite like the other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they also had Paul Bacco, Glenn Barker, Sean Bergman, and Tim Bogar on the team as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, a lot of bees. Also played in both the Little League and the Major League Baseball World Series. Wow. All right, so you're at 20.9, and we go to your final card in the pack. This is probably going to help you out quite a bit. This guy could rake. He was a good player for more than a decade with the White Sox, Maglio Ordonez. Oh, Maglio, he could hit. Let's see, Maglio, 15 years in the big leagues, eight with the White Sox, and then the final seven with the Tigers. In the year 2000, good news for you, all-star, Came in 12th in the MVP voting that year. Hit 315, 32 home runs, 126 RBI, 18 stolen bases. That's nice. Walked, oh, this this is odd to see a power hitter like that. 60 walks, 64 strikeouts. And a 127 OPS plus. All of that equals a 2.7 plus the all-star will get you 3.2. And he has got eye black on here. So that'll be a 3.3. Beautiful. Oh, so Mags was, uh, remember when we've talked about the Rangers and the Red Sox talking about trading A-Rod for Manny Ramirez. Yes. And then the Red Sox were then going to trade Nomar for Ordonez. But yes. when the A-Rod deal fell through, they, they took the, uh, the Garcia Parra deal off too. Oh, wow. Not friends with Ozzy Guillen. Neither am I. <laughs> they did not like each other at all. Wow. I don't think it's too difficult to dislike Ozzy Guillen. Oh, another nickname. I didn't know this one. Besides Mags, the Big Tildy because of the accent on his name. <laughs> the Big Tildy. The Big Tildy. 
All right, sir. So you are at 24.2. That is last week you had a 32. So this one's a bit more manageable for me. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we can come up with here. All right. The, the champagne is still chilled and in the, the clubhouse, though. We're all anticipating and, and gritting our teeth, hoping <laughs> this could be it. All right. So I have got a, a Yankee legend to lead off here, but not a Hall of Famer. It is uh, none other than don't shake my hands during spring training. It's Jorge Posada. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is a Yankee legend. How many years did he play for the Yankees? All of them. No, I know, but how many was it? <laughs> 17 years, all with the New York Yankees. That's so impressive. That is very impressive. Uh, good news for me. 2000, his first of four consecutive all-star appearances. He had five overall in his career. He hit 287, a 417 on base. I like that. 28 home runs, 86 RBI, 107 walks. That's a good number. A 139 OPS plus. He was an all-star, as I said, that year. And a 5.5 war. I'll take that because with the all-star, that's six even to start. That's a heck of a start. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Sometimes teams play better with their backs against the wall, Jeff. Yeah, I just want this to end. <laughs> <laughs> you, where's your confidence, man? I want some different rules. So after, I, I had not heard this one, after the 97 season, the Yankees offered Posada and Mike Lowell to the Montreal Expos for Pedro Martinez. Wow, really? Can you imagine if Pedro would have been in pinstripes versus the Red Sox? Uh, I can't even put that through my mind. Yeah. That man. would be so bizarre. I mean, that would have altered Major League Baseball history. To The Red Sox might still not have won a World Series. Yeah. Yeah. So good start there. Here's one of my guys, the, the, the big Marine that we never served. It is Matt Williams here with the Diamondbacks. Matt Williams. Just a solid defensive third baseman and a lot of pop in his bat. The Carson Crusher, Matt the Bat, the big Marine. 17 years in the big leagues. 10 of it with the Giants, 6 with the Diamondbacks, and then one lone year with Cleveland in 1997 where he still went to the World Series, I believe. Didn't they? I think they went to the World Series that year. Yes, they they lost to the Marlins 4-3 to three that year, but just... He was in the World Series with every team he played for. Uh, year 2000 with the Diamondbacks, only appeared in 96 games, hit 275, 12 home runs, 47 RBI, and an 83 OPS plus. You could help me out a little bit more than that, Matt. And all of that equals a war of only 0.3. Rough season. Yeah, but he, oh, well, this is going to help, though. He's got real stirrups and he's got eye black. So I'll take that. That'll that'll at least be a point five uh, for Mr. Williams. I think we've talked about he's back. I think he's back now with the Padres since that's where Bob Melvin is after managing in Korea for two years. But I could be mistaken. All right. Next. Well, we just talked about him. This is good. He's a Hall of Famer. This picture is taken in Oakland because I can see the wall and the scoreboard in the background. And it is none other than Mr. Pedro Martinez with the Red Sox. He comes up again. Yep. Now you could get some big points here. I could. Let's see here. For uh, 
PD in 2000. He was an all-star for Boston. Now, 99 was a huge year. 23-4, and 4, 207, Cy Young, second in the MVP. 2000, he won another Cy Young Award and came in fifth in the MVP voting. He was an all-star, went 18-6, and six, a 1.74 ERA. Wow. I don't even know how you do that. Four shutouts over the season. Pitched 217 innings, struck out 284, which led the league, and an ERA plus of 291. Did you get him last week? Because I feel like (laughs) we were talking about 291 being the highest ERA plus. Maybe it was an OPS plus last week that was... Something ridiculously high like that. But he led the league this year in ERA, shutouts, strikeouts, ERA+, plus, FIP, WHIP, hits per nine, home runs per nine, strikeouts per nine, and strikeouts to walks. Just dominated. And could have been in wow. pinstripes. Scary. All of this equals a, a war of 11.7. <laughs> wow. 11.7 plus he was an all-star. So that gets him to doing my math. That's 12.2. He won the Cy Young, which gets me a half a point, I believe, right? Is that half or a whole? Mm-hmm. So that is 12.7. And then he is a Hall of Famer, which is a 13.7 haul. That's higher than my, my total score most weeks. And that'll take me up to 20.2. You finished at 24.2. So I've got four cards left, and I'm four points away. My next card is another Hall of Famer. Oh, man. It's somebody that we talked about during BP when we were talking about about the trivia question. It is none other than Mr. Larry Walker. Ah, one of my favorites. Booger. The year 2000, a good year. It was not an all-star, one of his rare all-star, non-all-star years around this time. He led the league in batting three out of four years from 1998 to 2001. 2000 was the one year he did not, but he still hit 309 with a 409 on-base percentage. Only hit nine home runs in 87 games. 51 RBI, walked more than he struck out. I like that. A 110 OPS+. plus. And that equals a war of 1.6. Of course, he is uh, is a Hall of Famer, so that'll be a 2.6. Nothing else on this card is going to help me out too much, but I will close the gap to 22.8 with that that haul. So, Mark, I think we talked about this. I think you even talked about it when we talked about superstitions. He is superstitious about number three. He wore number 33 during his playing career, was married on November 3rd at 3.33 p.m. All of his in-game rituals involved the number three, like taking three practice swings or a multiple thereof in the batter's box. He was also the 333rd person to be enshrined into Cooperstown. That's crazy. That is that is very strange. And yeah. uh, he also has bowled a 300 game. No kidding. He and Mookie Betts. Big uh, big Peglers. Isn't that another name for uh, 
Bowlers. Pegler. If you say so. Eh, good enough. All right. So I've got three cards left and I'm, I'm in danger of not letting you claim the championship here. Uh, next I have got, I know this guy, he is married to a Olympian, a, uh, she was a member of the Canadian synchronized swimming team. I believe it is here with the bucks. It's Ed Sprague. Now, see, this is where I wish my knowledge could earn me money somehow, knowing that he was married to an Olympic, uh, synchronized swimmer for some reason. All right, so this is normally when Mark would come on and give me a, a witty comment about that. But uh, as we've already determined, Mark uh, is deaf to any electronic equipment that he touches, and he's disappeared off the face of the earth. So either there's been a catastrophic uh, natural disaster somewhere in the Pacific Northwest or what, but we'll, uh, we're, we're going to keep plowing ahead here because we're just about done. But Ed Sprague, now also a scout for the uh, Oakland A's, my Oakland Athletics. The year 2000, he split time between the Padres, the Red Sox, and the Padres again. It looks like he was traded to and from San Diego in the year 2000. Let's see. Signed as a free agent with the Padres, June 30th, traded to the Red Sox, uh, for Dennis Tankersley, he was released and then signed again by the Padres later that year, which is how that all comes about. Overall, 11 years in the big leagues, and uh, let's see, 2000 overall, a 261 average, 10 home runs, 27 RBI, a 119 OPS plus, and all of that equals a war of exactly zero. Zero. Thanks a lot, Egg. Egg. I called him Egg. His name is Ed. Uh, he does have some eye black on here, though, in this picture. So I will get a tenth of a point there, which will take me to 22.9, edging just, just closer. Ed is a junior. His father, Ed Sprague Sr., also played in the big leagues. Uh, let's see. He played for eight years. Most of it was with Milwaukee in the 70s. He was a pitcher, 17 and 23 overall record. And, uh, yep, here it is. I am just confirming that he is married to a Kristen Babb Sprague, who won an Olympic gold medal in synchronized swimming. He's probably my favorite synchronized swimmer. Uh, she, and, but I did make a mistake. She was, she was, uh, she won that for the Americans, not the Canadians. Oh, okay. USA. Hey. All right. And uh, then I just went through Ed Sprague Sr.'s pitching record. So, Mark, that takes me up to 22.9. I got two cards left, and I am 1.3 behind you. So it's coming down to it. Uh, wow. My second to last card is a pitcher for the Dodgers, Jeff Shaw. Jeff Shaw. Yeah, I thought he was an Indian, but I, re I remember him. Well, uh, he appeared with Cleveland for three years. He came up with Cleveland okay. at, in 90. Okay. Uh, 12 years in the big leagues, four with L.A., three with Cincinnati, three with Montreal, three with Cleveland, and one with the White Sox. An all-star twice in 98 and 2001, his final year in the big leagues, he was an all-star. In 2000, he went three and four with a 4.24 ERA, 57 and a third innings in 60 games, a 102 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 0.2. Oh boy, this is coming down to the wire. That just 
barely. I'm 23.1 with one card left. <laughs> Pull a Joe Slobotnik. Well, all right. I don't think Joe Slobotnik was playing in 2000. My final card here with the Diamondbacks, and uh, this was taken at Turner Field. I can tell from the outfield wall in the distance here. I think I might have staved off elimination. Now, I can't Uh promise anything, but I've got none other here than Steve Finley. Ooh, uh uh-oh. He had some big years. He did. Uh, Let's see here. Stephen A. Finley, 19 years in the big leagues, came up with Baltimore, spent a couple years in Houston, four years to be exact, then the Padres for four years, and then Arizona for six Finished off with a handful of other National League teams in the year 2000. An all-star right there and a gold glove. So that puts me at 24.1. A tenth of a point off before we we look at his war. 35 home runs, 96 RBI, a 280 average, 361 on base, a 121 OPS plus. And all of that equals a war of 3.4. 4.4 total with the rest of it. And I I finally win a game. <laughs> they, are, off the w. they are quickly tearing apart your uh, your dressing room, trying to get the champagne and the plastic <laughs> off of the lockers. Yeah, that would embarrass us if it was still in there. Wow, I so, did it. So what was the final score? Uh, let's see. You had a 24.2. And I had a 27.5, so just a little bit oh. north of a three-point victory. It's it's not close enough to trigger the automatic recount. No. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I gave you those two uh, Henry Aaron cards. <laughs> this so, is true. <laughs> and you had a card that had three guys on it. So yeah. I feel like you might have been celebrating prematurely. Uh, our, our heads were not in the game. Yeah. All right, so that will put me at 10 wins. You are still on the precipice of greatness with 19. <laughs> You're going to have to wait another week. Yes, it looks but like that. I think I think you'll manage. <laughs> All right, so that is going to do it for this episode. That was fun. We got to talk about John Lowenstein, which was fun. He's up for sainthood already. And uh, we got to talk about Big Boss which is always fun, the Savannah Bananas, and uh, I came up with a rare Wax Pack Heroes victory. If this is not enough for you, I understand some people just crave more all the time. We are standing by 24 hours a day, seven days a week on social media. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, Again, our, our OnlyFans got taken down, but uh, we also have a <laughs> Gmail address, Mark. Do we? Oh, yeah. It's a two strike noise. Spell it out. T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com. Yes, and you can reach us there. You can tell us if you think you've got the answer for the trivia question, if you have got a funny baseball story, or you just want to reach out and talk to somebody. We are here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can, you can reach us. One of us is always on those accounts uh, just for you, the listener. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. We will be back next week as we inch ever closer to opening day in Major League Baseball. We will see you on the next edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 